Let's, uh, let's turn to our attention to the Word of God. Uh, this is the Word of God that we gain our strength, encouragement, and it's a source of nourishment for us spiritually. So I invite you to turn in your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. We'll begin reading in verse 1. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. In the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives, as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. Your adornment must not be merely external, braiding the hair and wearing gold jewelry and putting on dresses, but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable qualities of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. For in this way, in former times, the holy women also who hoped in God used to adorn themselves being submissive to their own husbands, Just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you have become her children if you do what is right without being fearful or afraid or being uh, frightened by any fear. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just pray for your grace. We pray that as your word goes out today that you, you would bless it, you would Uh, it would accomplish what you would want it to accomplish in our hearts and our minds. May it point to you. May it bring you glory. And Lord, may there be a change. May there be um, things that we glean from it ourselves that that would cause us to uh, reflect your glory in a more specific way, in a more specific area of our life. We thank you so much for your precious word that you have given us. What a a joy it is to have truth in an uncertain world, have stability in uncertain times. Lord, bless our time together. We thank you for it and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the world likes to put Christians into stereotypes. They, They really like to mischaracterize us. And that's the way I'm feeling these days, more and more it seems like, that I'm being mischaracterized. That They're painting a false picture of us. Uh, we see that in Hollywood. We see that in, in the news media. Many times there's a, a false stereotype of, of Christians. They, they'll point out the extreme or the, the imbalance, the unloving the unreasonable many times, un- unfavorable, plainness in unfavorable light. Um, especially from those who would claim to be Christians, but in reality they're really not part of the body of Christ. And that's essential. That heart change, you, you can't leave it out. One of the areas in which they like to uh, mischaracterize us is in this it's in this, in our view of, of women, um, they 
draw a, a false stereotype of, of the role, especially within the home, within the family. They paint this dominant, domineering, demanding, unloving, abusive husband uh, many times or and they have this weak, mousy little wife that uh, is just slaving away, serving her family and not getting any attention. Um, but for people who truly are adhering to biblical principles, those things are, are just not so. You cannot divorce the heart reality of these things. You cannot just put an unsaved person playing the role, doing doing the actions of a Christian without the heart reality. I hope you understand it. I hope you 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 cannot leave the leave out the the genuine heart change that God brings about in the life. That, that brings an imbalance to it, and it's not a, a proper picture. And folks, if there's any imbalance in biblical principles, the imbalance is in the society, it's not in the Scripture. Scripture is, is perfectly balanced w- with the Christian life. And the problem is, I think many times, the problem is, in the extremes, they like to paint us in the extremes. Satan is often in the extremes. And, and the real problem, though, is, is when Christians buy into that stereotype, buy into those, those false views of, of biblical principles that are supposed to be lived out in, in the Christian's life. Many times, again, people claim to be believers when they're not really believers. They're just pretenders. And it gives an imbalanced view. And we have a unique opportunity, especially in our day, especially with, with the, the media that we have of, of Facebook and um, Twitter and, and, and just the, the ability to, to get up, up close and personal to the world, that the world can have a front row seat to the real Christian life. That we, can, we have a, a unique opportunity in our day to, to correct those mischaracterizations and to correct those false stereotypes that the world likes to put on us. We have the opportunity to set the record straight. We can show them what a, a true Christian heart is like along with the biblical principles that it's trying to portray. Now, in this passage, Peter We've been looking at this passage in the past. We're coming back to it after Christmas now. But Peter has been discussing the broader topic of Christians interacting in a, in a world of unsaved people, maybe even a hostile world, sometimes in a hostile world. And one of the key elements that he's been talking about is submission, that we are to submit to uh, to the structure that God has established in our world. That would include wives submitting to their husband. And that's what he's addressing today. But in this passage, Peter goes far beyond that. And he uses this, I believe, as a a, a perfect example of what God can do in the life that is genuinely, truly changed in the life of a, a godly woman in an ungodly environment. And I think Peter uses that 
He goes far beyond just just stating the command. He gives the he gives us a little scenario here that really is a picture of what Christians and Christianity should be in the world of unbelievers in a hostile world. Now, throughout the world uh, or throughout world history, um, the world has had uh, a false view of, of women. I believe they've seen the women as as a second class citizen. Uh, and this is kind of worldwide. This is just seen throughout the ages. And it's due to the, the sinful heart of man. And we have to recognize that, that man's heart is sinful and there is a abuse of authority and, and, and there is, there are problems, especially in the Roman world. In the Roman world, they were considered lower class, just, just a little above uh, property women were considered. They were good for uh, bearing children, raising children, managing the home, and, and that's about it. That was the role that they, they played, and that was the role that they stayed in. And among, but among God's people, folks, women enjoy a higher stand, status. No matter what the world says, no matter what the world says, the Scripture has a higher status for women. The Bible, the Bible is clear on that. The Bible says both the man and the woman were created in the image of God. Both were equal. They were created in the image of God. Paul says that they are joint heirs with the inheritance of Christ. They're equal in that way. They're equal, but they're different. God made them male and female. They have a distinct purpose, distinct roles to play and functions, but they are equal before God. And in Scripture, what we see is, is that a godly woman is to be pursued. They're highly valued. Proverbs 31, verse 10, an excellent wife who can find her worth is far beyond jewels. And that's a wonderful concept. That, that, that is highly esteeming women. That's putting them in the proper place that they should, should have. Far beyond jewels. I, I, I like that. Men, you need to be pursuing, uh, if you're single, you need to be pursuing a godly wife. Far beyond a, a sports car or a Lexus or, or Lamborghini or a Ford. Right? Far beyond that, her, her, she's worth much more than anything like that. And she has to be pursued. She has to be pursued. The Christian worldview of women is high, folks. It's high. It's always been higher than the culture around. That, that seems to be shifting today. Living in the Roman world, a Christian wife, a Christian woman, would have... A very difficult situation. Plutarch, he, he articulated or sums up the, the Roman view very well. He says this. He says, a, a wife should not acquire her own friends. She should make her husband's friends her own. The gods are the first and the most significant friends. That would be the Roman gods, the pantheon of gods. There's tons of the Roman gods. And he says, for this reason, it is proper for a wife to recognize only 
those gods whom her husband worships. That's his friends, that's his that's his gods. Now, can you imagine being a, a Christian woman in this kind of culture, in this kind of environment? What do you do? Especially married to an unsaved husband. What is a Christian wife to do in that situation? Do they continue to submit? Do they leave the relationship? Just get a divorce? Try to get out of that kind of relationship? And Peter clarifies that in this passage very very good for us, very well for us. And he, the short answer, he says, just live a godly life in front of him. Live a godly life. Be real. Be holy as your heavenly Father is holy. Live these things out. So the, the topic here is submission of, of the wife to the husband, but Peter goes far beyond that. This is living out a godly life. And that's the one of the most effective tools for evangelism. That's the principle. Living out a, a godly life is the most effective, one of the most effective tools for evangelism that we have. Folks, if we're going to change the world, they have to see real. They have to see real. They have to see genuine. And, th- and it has to be up close and personal. It's not going to be a stereotype from TV. And the question then is, how does a godly submission translate into evangelism? And Paul or Peter lays that out for us. And, and I want to just interact with this passage by answering four questions or asking four questions of this passage so that we can get the right emphasis and the, the right importance of this passage, what Peter is saying here. The first question is, what is a wife's obligation? What is a wife's obligation? We see in... Verse 1 here, the first part of verse 1, he says, In the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands. Now, this is very, very simple. This is a very specific command. He's very clear. Uh, And this is a command to submit. It's the same command we see in the Old Testament. Paul States it in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22, and Colossians chapter 3, the passage that was read for us earlier. The command is to submit. Hupotasso is the Greek word. We've already looked at this before. Hupo is, is under. Tasso is to, to arrange or to rank yourself. Under is the idea. And the voluntary placing oneself under the command of someone else. It's a military term. It would be, it would be used as a private coming in. And he would, everybody would be over him. He would see himself, recognize himself as ranking under them. That's the idea. Ranking under, to rank under. It's to submit to someone else's will. Again, it's very clear. Now, some objections might be, well, uh, this is showing inferiority, or this is showing weakness, or this is showing cowardliness. And it's not at all. Not at all. He, he says, in the same way, just like all of the other opportunities that Christians have to submit, that, that there's no inferiority here, there's no weakness here. It, it's just the same way. The same way we would submit to the government or to uh, uh, our boss in the workplace or a church and in, in the elders in the church or children submitting to the parents. There's no inferiority here. There's no cowardliness here. There's no weakness here. It's just submission. Submission. It's a duty. 
and living out or living the successful Christian life, folks, in a hostile world, especially requires submission. And he's already pointed out that we submit to the government in verses chapter two, verse 15, 13 through 17 and, and in the workplace in chapter 18 through 25. And he's going to give us two more here in the family, and then he's going to point out to the church as well. But she is to submit to her own husband. Now, that's, again, pretty specific here to her own husband. This is not all women submit to all men. This is you submitting to your own husband in the context of a of a contract of marriage, marriage before God. It's God's design, God's designed institution, this family that God has God has given structure to. It's a God-given institution within the loving context of the family. That's where she submits. And the picture here is the wife submitting to her husband. It's a voluntary submitting of one's oneself underneath the authority of her husband within the the bounds of the boundaries of God's will. I have to point that out. Now, this is a simple command, but it's serious. Because it's so simple, we, we, we want to just dismiss it a, a little bit and say it's, it's not that important. In fact, the, the world just wants to get rid of it altogether. They just disregard any kind of submission a wife has to her husband, especially because this whole women's liberation movement and women's uh, or feminist agenda. And the, the shallow Christian community is kind of bought into this, this view and feminism in general. And they've kind of made it a... It just we're a team that we're co-leaders in the family, um, co-equal, if you will, a, a democracy. We we each get a, a vote. That we've kind of turned it into a friendship kind of thing. But that's not what God says here. This is God's word. This doesn't relax God's standards. One. Iota, because the Christian community has bought into this wrong view. God says to submit. That's hierarchy. This is authority, submission, relationship. And she is to voluntarily submit herself. That's what God says. It's just a simple command, like I said. But it's serious. Husbands are responsible Husbands are responsible before God to shepherd their family. And men, you are to, you will someday stand before God, not as a team with your wife, co-equal with your wife. You will be giving a response, you will be giving an account before God for the direction of your family, the direction that you've taken your family. You are responsible. You are in the authority position here and you will give an account before God. You don't have to look very far in Genesis chapter 16. If you want to look over there, it's a really interesting verse. Abraham gets himself into trouble because in verse chapter 16, verse 2, it says, and I, I love this. I have to listen to this every once in a while. Or I have to read this every once in a while. 
Sarah encourages him, Sarah, his wife, encourages him to, to take Hagar. Maybe, maybe the special son that God is going to give them is going to be through the handmaiden, Hagar. And Abraham took the advice, and it didn't work out so well. And it says, and Abraham listened to the voice of Sarah, his wife. And Abraham is going to have to stand before God and give an account for that decision that he made. Not Abraham and Sarah, but just Abraham. He was the one responsible. She may have given bad advice, but he is the one that, that listened to the voice of, and he's accountable to God. It's not Sarah's fault, it's Abraham's fault that we see in Scripture. Husband, you will give an account for your leadership. In the same way, wives, you're going to give an account for your submission to your husband. That's what God has called you to. Now today, it's old-fashioned. It's, it's kind of silly to even talk about. It's passe. It's just a quaint idea out there. But it's no less important to God, no matter what our culture says. It's important to God. So we have to ask the question, women, are you submitting to your husbands? Do you rank yourself underneath? Do you, do you submit to his leadership, to the tone that he says, the direction that he is taking the family? And then, of course, the application to men is, men, are you leading your family? Or are you, you taking your family in the, in the right direction? According to Scripture and in, in Paul uh, his instructions in First Timothy chapter 3, we read the passage last week that if a man cannot control his own household, how in the world is he going to be an elder in a church? How in the world is he going to lead the church? The question is leadership. So it's a simple command. The command is to submit. Number two, the second question is, why is a, a wife to submit? What, what's the practical purpose here? Give us something here. And again, the short answer is to just points to, to God. It points to God and God's glory. Go back to our passage, chapter 3, verse 1. And the second part of that is this, uh, we are to submit, you're to submit yourself to your own husband so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word. Now that disobedient to the word is, is not this, um, uh, class of, of Christians that we kind of developed today of disobedient Christians, this class, that's not at all a class of Christians in Scripture. If you're disobedient to the Word, you're an unbeliever. And we see that in, in chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2, in verse 8. It says, for they stumble because they are disobedient to the Word. This is talking about unbelievers he says, so that even if they are disobedient to the word, that is an unbeliever, even if they are an unbeliever, they may be one, that's one to Christ, we might say, brought into the kingdom without a word by the behavior of their wife. I think it's pretty clear here. They may be one, they may, they may become a believer, come to Christ without a word, I love that, without the nagging of the, the wife, without the pushiness and forcefulness of a wife, just simply on viewing her behavior, viewing her godly behavior, we could say. Not because she's forceful, not because she's domineering, but because of her 
godly behavior. This is voluntary submission. And that points to God's work. That points to, to God's bringing about this change in her heart that is seen in her behavior. That, that, that God can take a self-centered, sinful human being and turn them into a submissive, loving, gentle, caring wife. That, that gives glory to God. And here's the deal. That this, this unbelieving husband has a front row seat to the power of God to change a life. That's within the family, folks. We want that same thing in the world. We want the world to see the power of God to change a life. A, a godly life points to God Himself. It points to God's power. <clears throat> points to God's power. It, it, but it has to be real, doesn't it? It has to be real. Can't be stereotyped as playing this role. It, it can't be faked. Now, that's not to say, we want to be careful here, that's not to say that if uh, a Christian wife is married to an unsaved husband that, uh, and, he, and he hasn't come to Christ yet, that doesn't mean that she is not real. So be careful about judging other people. Judging these ladies that are in this difficult situation. But it has to be real. It has to be of the heart. Folks, our Christian life has to be real. There has to be a, a connection with God living out God's word. But there has to be a, a heart reality to that. And that heart reality needs to be seen. It needs to be seen. It's seen in the behavior. Heart change comes out in, in her life, in her behavior. And he sees that. And that man says, that's the kind of God, that's the kind of God I can believe in. That God has real power. And, and, and it changes. He's one. He's one to Christ. There, there's a reality there that he says, yeah, I cannot deny it. And he comes to Christ. That's power, folks. That's power. And I believe, just to quote Paul, that we have a Christianity today that is just a form of godliness, but denying its power. No real power there. No real change. No real heart there. It's just playing a game, just playing a role, a stereotype. A false stereotype. Submission displays. This godly submission, this godly life, it points to God. Displays a godly life, God's power to change a life. Number three, another question we have to ask about this question, about this passage is, what's the emphasis here? There's always a, a certain slant, a certain emphasis that, that we see in what should this ungodly, what should this ungodly husband see? What's the attraction? Look at the, Look in the second uh, verse here. As he observes. Again, he's, he's just watching. He's just looking. As he observes. And he observes three things. 
he, Peter lays it out for us pretty, pretty well here as he observes. And he gives us kind of a, an overview of what he observes. And then he kind of contrasts. He doesn't just view this, but then he drills down and here's what he actually sees. Here's the attraction. Here's the attraction. Number one, he, he gives us just an, an overview, just a quick, as he observes her, her chaste and respectful behavior. That's the heart attitude. He, he, he sees it coming out. And the word chase here really kind of threw me for a loop. I, I was really surprised I hadn't been exposed to this word very much. But it's, the word chase is, is preparing yourself for holiness. <laughs> or, or, I'm sorry, preparing yourself for worship. And the idea here is, is self-reflection, a, a, a reverence here, uh, and preparing, we might say it's like preparing yourself for communion. You're getting ready to take communion. You examine your own heart and see if there's any any corruption there. And there's a purity. The idea is purity and guiltlessness. No duplicity. No hidden agenda. There's pure motives. That's the idea. Chase. Pure motives. And respectful. Respectful. The word there is, is to cause to flight. Cause to flee, cause for fear. There's a, a little bit of apprehension here. I don't want to offend my husband. I, there's some respect there. That's the idea. And your initial, ladies, your initial attraction that a husband should have to a wife is, is that, that she cares for me. She loves me. There's genuineness there. Genuine love. That's, that's her focus. That she cares for him. He's her ministry, if you will. Her focus. Uh, in contrast, so, so that's kind of the overview. In contrast, verse 3 says, your, your adornment, what, what attracts the husband to you, must not be, and this is the contrast, must not be merely external, braiding the hair, and wearing uh, gold Jewelry here, putting on dresses. Now, the, the idea is, is not, uh, Paul or Peter is not uh, just uh, encouraging slovenly, slovenliness or uh, indifference to the way you dress. Those things are important. He says, not merely these things. And he's just simply warning about extravagance to try to get the attention that way. And it's the primary, uh, Primary attraction is just the outward. But we all know that's shallow. The world even knows that. It's just a warning here. And the idea is don't depend upon the external beauty, but the, the spiritual elements of your life. Now, there's a balance to be had here. And I think he's pointing this out. We can, we can put too much emphasis on the physical uh, appearance we could put too little emphasis as well, but we dare not overemphasize just the, the external outward beauty and not emphasize the spiritual. And this is the specific. He drills down and gives us a little bit more specific here in verse 4. But let it be the hidden person of the heart. That's where the real change has taken place. With the imperishable qualities of a gentle and quiet Spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. I love that. It's precious. This is what God values. 
A gentle and quiet spirit. This is imperishable. He, he uses that word, imperishable. That's unfading. Those are eternal qualities, we might say. Of a gentle, quiet spirit. Again, she's not pushy. She's not domineering. She's not using force to manipulate and connive and to, and to get her way. But she is a gentle and quiet spirit. Hebert and his commentary, I love I love this. It's just an interesting word again. Quiet here is a picture of a, a quiet disposition as contrasted with a noisy, boisterous attitude. It is a spirit which calmly bears the disturbances created by others and which itself does not create disturbances. She can absorb the disturbances, all the chaos in her life. She's, she can absorb that and, and she's not, she's not the, the cause of all of these disturbances. She's, she has a quiet spirit. Isn't that wonderful? The spirit of, of humble dependence on God. That's the idea here. Now this is not the model that we see today that's being promoted for our young women. Not at all. The model that's promoted today is this, uh, assertive, boisterous, Woman, this loud mouth that, that, that wants to overwhelm her victim by shouting and, uh, like a, a shouting match. Superior intellect, superior morals, condescending tone, lecturing tone. One that's seeking to dominate women, men. Put men in their place. That's what the picture is today. That's what we see. That's the model, power, force. Nothing's going to stand in her way. Now listen, folks. We want strong women. There has to be strong women. The Bible speaks of strong women. There's strong women throughout, examples of strong women throughout Scripture. But the reality is there's a gentle and quiet spirit behind it. And that changes everything. Changes everything. This kind of model that we see today is not attractive. It's not attractive to God. And if it's not attractive to God, it should not be attractive to us. This is the reality. God's evaluation on this lady is she's, she's just loud. She's assertive. She's not dependent upon me. She's not submissive. And God's not attracted to that at all. You say, well, that's not my personality. Well... You know what? And it's a not popular opinion, but you could change that. You can change that. We're to discipline ourselves for godliness. I don't care what your personality is like. I don't care your, your tendencies, your, your uh, emphasis of your life. Or You discipline yourself for godliness. So ladies... The real power in your life is not your your external beauty. It's the submission and submission to to God. That's an attractive. That's more attractive than anything else. The emphasis here then is on godly character, the godly character of the heart. One last question, and we'll wrap it up with this. One last question is what's the what's the heritage? It's a noble heritage of submission. Uh, wives submitting to their 
to their husbands? Is there, is there precedent? He gives us this in verse 5 and 6. For in this way, I, I just love this. In former times, he says, the holy women, that that's the class you're in, the holy women also who hoped in God. You want to see what a holy woman looks like? She hopes in God. Used to adorn herself. That, that was her clothing. This submission. Used to adorn themselves being submissive to their husband. They adorn themselves with this submission to their husband. Just as Sarah. Sarah is a prime example. Obedient. Obeyed uh, Abraham. Called him Lord. And you have become her children. If you do what is right. This is just the right thing to do. Without being frightened by fear. Frightened by fear is, is not being afraid to stand on biblical principles. No matter what the husband's reaction. Here's, here's where I stand. Now folks, that's a strong woman. No fear. Standing. What is she standing on? Peter. He supports his point by going to, to Scripture. He doesn't point to, to going to the Roman, Roman culture. I know that this is a, a view today that, that uh, some people believe that Paul and Peter both brought these principles in from the Roman culture. Now, this is what's being taught, and it's demeaning to women, and it's slavishness to women, and they were wrong in doing so. In First Peter, First Timothy chapter 2, Paul, uh, Paul brings out the same same. Uh, ideas here. But in both of these passages, Peter and Paul, they don't point to the Roman culture for their support. They point to Scripture in both instances. Paul goes all the way back to creation. This is the way it is from creation. Peter points to Scripture, examples of Scripture, and, and Sarah is one of those examples. And we have to be careful that, that we're not being taught that, folks. But that's what's being taught in this superficial Christianity that we have today. And she adorns herself with this submission. She is submissive. And she is a woman who hopes in God. And that puts her in the category of a holy woman. Holy woman. This is a, a woman that's seeking after God and God's approval of her life. And the thing is, is she has children. <laughs> this is so good. And this is a long line of, of women who are strong, who have taken a stand. These are holy women. These are women who are, uh, have put their hope in God. This is, this is talking about a noble heritage, ladies. Noble heritage. They're not afraid. They stand on biblical principles. They stand on God's principles, putting their hope in God, submitting him, themselves to Him. And that produces a heritage, a foundation for their thinking that brings stability to their life. That brings confidence to their life. And certainty. The richness of a, a heritage, of a tradition. Now I know we don't like that word tradition, but that's what that's what's happening here. He says, look at the, the long heritage of the tradition that we have of, of submission. Now, folks, we have a Christianity today that is progressive. 
And, and, and let me just tell you, there is no stability to that. No stability at all. If you want stability, you point back to Scripture, you base yourself on biblical principles, and you stand. And it's a godly heritage. It's a heritage, it says, of her children, Sarah's children. You could say, I'm in the line of Sarah. No, he uses Sarah there, but there's a whole lot of examples of godly women who took a stand in Scripture. Submissive women. Rebecca, Rachel, Moses' mother, Jochebed, Miriam, Rahab, Deborah, Ruth, Naomi. Godly women. Hannah. Esther, Mary, Elizabeth, Mary Magdalene. And they were not afraid to stand. They stood. They they submitted themselves to whatever God had for them. And they submitted. Women, when you do that, you're you're standing on a a heritage of, of godly legacy here. You become the children of Sarah. That's so... So good. And I'm so thankful to look out and I see godly women here at Daniel's Bible Church who recognize what they do and the attitude in which they do it is important. It's important. They're to be rewarded. They're to be highly esteemed. Highly esteemed. You know, the application of the today could be husbands, take your wife out to dinner. Show her appreciation, right? It's a good application. <laughs> but the real application is, is just the power of a godly life as a tool of evangelism. How God can take this godly life, humble submission, and use that to change a life. Use that to, to soften a heart of a husband, to cultivate a heart, to point to a, to a God who changes lives. And the best way, folks, for us to combat the stereotype of this false stereotype of this, of the world that's put on us is to live godly lives. Just live out biblical principles, these simple little principles. Just live them out. But they must be in the balance of Scripture, the biblical principles in Scripture, and they must be real and genuine with the heart of, of godliness. And the world needs to see it. The world needs to, to have a front row seat to what God has done in a life, in our life, in changing our life. And so that they see that behavior and they say, that's the God I want. I can believe in that God because I've seen His power. I've seen it at work. But we as Christians must stand, huh? We as Christians must uh, be willing to put ourselves out there. Be willing to um, stand on biblical principles. Not be ashamed. We have to be able to stand in front of a watching world. And it's my prayer that the Lord would give Daniel's Bible Church more godly women 
who have just taken this stand, say, no matter what the culture does, I'm going to I'm going to support my husband. I'm going to submit myself to my husband and love him. That's my focus. That's my ministry. That's my desire to serve my Lord in that way. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. <clears throat> Father, your word is clear. And and I, I'm amazed that, that the Christian community can mess these principles up so badly. And the world kind of makes fun of us. But Lord, I pray for godly women to be willing to stand and, and godly men to shepherd their families and lead as they should. And Lord, help us all to take the principle away of, of just the importance of a godly life in, in, in a world as a tool for evangelism. Oh God, use us. Use us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.